Hello, everybody, and as always, uh, welcome to the Christian Bible Study Ministry Podcast. Um, I want to start this thing off today by uh, sharing kind of an interesting thing that happened this morning in church. And uh, I do believe that I needed this, and so did a lot of people. Uh, There was no real sermon today, and uh, this was because of the fact that I guess the Spirit just led the uh, congregation to just start singing, singing songs of encouragement. But the God in the valley is also the God of the mountain, or vice versa, you know. And and I'm sitting here thinking about this right now, and that does kind of, in a way, deal with what we're studying here. And before I go any further, I want to say that uh, I'm glad to say that two people came to Christ this morning in church, and so that was awesome as always. And also, I want to be sure to say that anybody who is listening to this, who is having some kind of problem or has a prayer need in their life, you know, you don't have to contact me. You know, you don't have to leave a message on this uh, uh podcast page or anything you know but just bring it to the lord you know and you know because he knows about it and so anyway we we come now to the second part of our study of daniel and this has actually turned into a three-part series because of the complexity and the length of all this stuff that we're looking at and Turn now to Daniel chapter 8, and we are going to uh, break down this chapter. Uh, You know, we left off at the end of chapter 7 having talked about the fourth beast, which is the the most terrible of these beasts that are mentioned. And I'm pretty sure that we can say that this is at least in a sense about the Roman Empire. In fact, now I believe that it is referring to the Roman Empire. And we're told that ten kings come from this animal and that one leader will replace three of them or subdue three of them and have total control of the world. And, of course, Rome is gone, but it looks like we're told that a sort of representation of it is in the future. You know, it's like... um, it's a pretty kind of, you know, it is a complex uh, prophecy when you sit down and try to study all this. And again, we're going to get into that a little bit later in this message. And again, this will be led by one man. One man will have control over this final earthly empire. And, uh, you know, we'll, we will for a bit step back from the fourth beast and start with chapter 8, which covers events that, for us, have already happened. So, start with verses 1 through 3, we'll read. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me, even unto me, Daniel, after that which appeared unto me at the first. And I saw in a vision, and it came to pass when I saw that I was at Shushan in the palace, which is in the province of Elam. And I saw in a vision, and I was by the river uh, Ule. 
Then I lifted up my mine eyes and saw, and behold, there stood before the river a ram, which had two horns, and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher came up last. So a little research uh, shows Belshazzar was the grandson of King Nebuchadnezzar, and uh, he did, he did not learn from his grandfather's mistakes, evidently, and he worshipped idols. And so Daniel was shown, but anyway, the Daniel uh, Daniel was shown the Persian city of Shushan, which was the Persian capital, and uh, the ram is of course in this case Persia and it would expand and conquer Babylon and doing so and it did so as it willed Babylon was not going to be able to stand against this new power and so excuse me sorry y'all I just realized I missed verse 4 so we're going to go back and read that um, I apologize for this. I saw the ram pushing westward and northward and southward so that no beast might stand before him, neither was there any that could deliver out of his hand, but he did according to his will and became great. Again, Babylon, it, it, it is told here that Babylon, even as great as it was, was not going to be able to withstand uh, this rising pressure from uh, this new empire, this new threat that uh, was coming from its east. It was going to fall. And so we go now to verse 5. And as I was considering, behold, an he-goat came from the west of the, on the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground, and the goat had a, nor had a notable horn between his eyes. Uh, so in this verse, we see a goat appear from the west. The speed of his conquest is such that it is like, uh, you know, he doesn't even touch the ground. And research, again, research is key here, especially in dealing with this book of Daniel. Uh, the notable horn would be Alexander the Great. Go to verse 6. And he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had there seen standing before the river and ran into him in the fury of his power. Uh, we see here that Greece crushed Persia. It, and uh, the, Greek, the empire of Alexander the Great, uh, it was very quickly established and he just ran roughshod over whoever he wanted to. It was not a long-lived empire, however. And verse 7 and I saw him come close unto the ram and he was moved with collar against him and smote the ram and break his two horns and there was no power in the ram to stand before him but he cast him down to the ground and stamped upon him and there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand he totally and completely conquered uh, people he totally and completely ruled those that he conquered we go now to verse 8. Therefore the he-goat waxed very great, and when he was strong, the great horn was broken, and for it came up 
and for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. Alexander died, and his empire, you know, was split up into four different. Uh, it was split up among four of his generals. Uh, Alexander was born in 356 B.C. and died in 334 B.C. His lack of an heir resulted in four generals, each having a portion of the empire. And so we go now down to verses 9 through 12. And out of one of them came forth a little horn which waxed exceeding great toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. And it waxed great even to the host of heaven and it cast down some of the host and of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. And an host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of his uh, by reason of transgression, and it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered. You know, this is an inter this is an interesting passage here. Uh, this could, in a sense, be a reference to a man named named Antiochus Epiphanes. Antiochus called himself the illustrious one, or he thought of himself as illustrious, and he exalted himself and heavily persecuted the Jews. He outlawed Judaism, and he was very much a pagan. He did not like the Jews for some reason. He hated them. He wanted them persecuted. He committed genocide. And history tells us that he stopped the temple sacrifices and killed pigs on the altar. However, due to what Jesus says centuries later about the desolation of abomination having not yet taken place, it seems Antiochus is not the person talked about truly in this prophecy. And again, Antiochus did these things. He uh, established himself as worthy of worship. He persecuted the Jews. He killed them. He made them eat pig meat and just all kinds of horrible things. But again, this does not seem like it is the, or it does not seem that he was the fulfillment of this prophecy necessarily. And again, this is because of what Jesus says later on in the New Testament. Go to verses 13 through 14. Then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto that certain saint which spake, How long shall the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot? And he said unto me, Unto two thousand and three hundred days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Uh, you know, it could be that this refers to what Antiochus did. Uh, 2,300 days is about six and one-third years, which is about the length of time that Antiochus, of what Antiochus did. And once he died, the Jews cleansed the temple. Go to verses 15 through 16 now. And it came to pass when I, even I, Daniel, had seen the vision and sought for the meaning. Then behold, there stood before me as the, as the appearance of a man... And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Ule, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. A short uh, exposition of this pretty much is that Daniel was in, pre was in some pretty awesome company here. He was in the company of none other than Gabriel. Gabriel is a very prominent, uh, one of the most 
well-known angels in the entire Bible, and he was speaking directly to Daniel. Again, that's a pretty nice company, don't you think? Verses 17 through 18. So he came near to where I stood, and when he came, I was afraid and fell upon my face. But he said unto me, Understand, O son of man, for at the time of the end shall be the vision. Now as he was speaking with me, I was in a deep sleep on my face toward the ground, but he touched me and set me upright. Now, this is to say that Daniel was in awe. He was in such awe that he fell down and being told while sound asleep that the vision would happen at the end. You know, and this happens to people even today. You know, the Lord will speak to us in our sleep. You know, of course, in Genesis, you know, uh, he caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And while Adam was asleep, woman, you know, uh, uh, the Lord created women. And, but the, the Lord does today, even today, still speak to people in their sleep. It, he's done it to me, and I know he's done it to other people, too. Verses 19 through 20. And he said, Behold, I will make thee know what shall be in the last end of the indignation, for at the time appointed the end shall be. The ram, which thou sawest, having two horns, are the kings of Media and Persia. So Daniel, it is confirmed to Daniel that the two kingdoms mentioned here are Persia and Medea. And the goat is, of course, the kingdom of Greece, which was led by Alexander. We go now down to verses 22 through 23. Excuse me, we're going to go back and read verse 21. I missed that one too, you know, but I'm sorry, y'all. Uh, and the rough goat is the king of Grecia, and the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. Now down to verses 22 through 23. Now that being broken, whereas four stood up for it, four kingdoms shall stand up out of the out of the nation, but not in his power. And, and in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. You know, Alexander died, again, as we said before, and four of his generals uh, split the empire into quarters, you know, into four different parts. And, uh, these are all known to history, and I'm not going to go, you know, I'm not going to go and uh, name all these kings and things, you know, but they were part of the fulfillment of this prophecy. And at some point later, a king of fierce countenance will rise after them. At some, you know, at some point, there's going to be a king of fierce countenance. We know that this is obviously going to be a very powerful entity that the world will, will have to deal with at some point. And he is not going to be a person who is going to be uh, on the side of the Lord, obviously. He is going to be a person who is learned in dark things, which I take to mean uh, satanic and occult practices. And uh, he will speak and practice these dark things. 
go to verses 24 through 25. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully, and shall prosper in practice, and shall destroy the mighty and holy people. And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. You know, this is a reference, a, you know, it is a reference to the Antichrist. Uh, the Antichrist will not be uh, powered by his own power. He will be powered, you know, satanically inspired. He will prosper from a human standpoint, at least. He will make... He will make awful war against the saints, and he will magnify himself above everything. He will be the he will be a person who says, "I am God. There is no other. You must worship me. You must worship me as God." But then the Lord shall stop. You know, the Lord excuse me. The Lord will step in and basically very quickly destroy him. It's not even going to be much of a fight. The Lord is not going to waste his time in dispatching him. He is going to readily and handily, totally, completely destroy this man and his kingdom. In verses 26 through 27, this is the end of the chapter. And the vision of the evening and the morning which was told is true, which was told is true. Wherefore shut thou up the vision, for it shall be for many days. And I, Daniel, fainted, and I was sick certain days afterward. I days afterward I rose up and did the king's business and I was astonished at the vision but none understood it you know so Daniel again was overwhelmed by all this stuff that he had seen and he was so overwhelmed by it that he was made sick by it and no one that he talked to could understand the vision the angel told him to seal it up it wasn't going to be known, you know, the, you know, people weren't going to understand the full consequences and meaning of this for a long time. So, now at the end of this chapter, I will say that I believe that the both, excuse me, that, that both the worst and best of these visions is yet to come. We have yet to come to the to the worst empire, which is the war, you know, the world has never seen. It'll be the worst empire that the world has ever seen. And we have not yet seen the best in the everlasting empire, which will never end, which is the empire of Jesus Christ, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, you know, talking a little bit again about Antiochus, uh, you know, some people believe that Antiochus was the Antichrist. Uh, I believe he was an antichrist but not the antichrist if jesus tells us the abomination of desolation has not happened yet and it will happen during this during the reign of the antichrist who will demand worship and undoubtedly through something and you know excuse me y'all he will set up something in the temple maybe a statue of himself or some kind of image of himself and the, at the temple, which, as we all know today, as of today, the temple is not uh, rebuilt. It has not been built again. 
So that will be done at some point in the future, and we don't know when. And again, because of the complexity and the length of all this material, uh, this there is going to be, of course, another part to the series. And that will continue with part three, and I will end this uh, segment now, as I always do, with just a simple prayer. You know, Lord, if there's anybody here listening who is wanting to know Christ, and if they know that uh, they know that they're a sinner and that they need to be saved, I pray that they would do so now. For you say that today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not next week, not next year today so i pray that anybody who is being led to uh accept christ would do so now and lord i just pray blessings upon everyone who listens to this whether they know that they're that they're blessed or not no matter what their situation is sickness financial problems whatever i pray that they will experience and know your blessings and it's in christ's name i pray this amen